Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. What is up, plant people? It's time again for another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives and careers of some very, very cool, very awesome plant people. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host and your humble guide in this journey through the natural sciences. And we're not talking about plants today. Well, we are, just not just about plants. My guest today is a very wonderful human being, a really good guy who I feel like I've become instant friends with named Nate Marshall. Now that name may or may not mean anything to you yet. I promise you it will very soon, but the name Give Bats a Break might. See, over the past few weeks, I and months, weeks and months, I have had an interesting experience of getting to know Bat Twitter. I know, I, I know. I didn't think that would be my thing either, but you heard from uh, Natalie Saban a few weeks ago, who is a very cool bat person and ecologist when we talked about um, the history of gardens. She's also a very cool garden person, but I have gotten connected with this guy, Nate, who's the brain and soul and heart behind the Give Bats a Break Twitter channel and uh, uh, Instagram page and Facebook page and YouTube channel and everything else. Now, you're never going to guess how Give Bats a Break rose to Twitter, Bat Twitter prominence. I'll give you a second. Think about it. Okay, so Nate tweeted at the Pope. The Pope, yes, that one with a capital P, the hat, and the, the Vatican, all that. The Pope about bats after a tweet that the Pope's social media team put out last year. And uh, it just really resonated with people, and it's become this cool thing. So uh, Nate just launched a podcast called Give Bats a Podcast, which makes sense because of Give Bats a Break. And that came out as you're listening to this, if you listen to this as it drops last Friday. And that's a thing that you should definitely go listen to. We talk about that more later. But I thought it would be great as I've connected with Nate and I, his story is so cool. I thought it'd be cool to bring him on the show and talk about his experience and talk about the role that bats play in ecosystems and in pollination and the things they eat, like fruit. Lots and lots of bats eat fruit. And uh, the bad PR that, for a variety of reasons, bats have gotten over the years. And Nate graciously agreed to be on. He is such a cool dude, and I had just so much fun talking with him. As you hear, I probably laughed more than I needed to, and uh, I feel like he and I have become fast friends. So without too much more uh, blabbering about bats, because you're going to get to hear lots of discussion about bats that comes from someone who's way better at it than I am. Um, I want to jump into it. I will see you people at the mid-roll, and uh, we'll talk about um, a great new show that's part of the podcast network to which I belong. We'll talk about some cool stuff coming up and a lot of other things. But for now, buckle up and get ready for a great episode of Planthropology with Nate Marshall from Give Bats a Break. Right. Well, Nate, man, I'm so excited to have you with me today. How's it going? I am stoked as well. And uh, it's going. It's going well. It's a beautiful day. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, as we record this, it is the first day of fall 2021. That's mm-hmm. something. That is something. And I can't <laughs> believe we made it. Um, right. It doesn't feel real somehow. Um, 
but there's like an air of hope at the same time. Like we're we're going into this this spooky season. I would I'm a basic white chick, so um, <laughs> so I I'm I'm all about spooky season. Have you have you jumped into the pumpkin spice lattes yet? Are you dressing like Han Solo yet? Um, almost. Well, the Han Solo thing, almost the the pumpkin spice everything, freaking yes, absolutely. <laughs> Already, that almost doesn't stop. In fact, um, I found I'm lactose intolerant for anybody that was wondering. And so I drink almond milk and there is this really, really good cold brew that that we, my wife found. We, it, I think it comes from Trader Joe's or maybe it's I can't remember, but it's almond milk and it's cold brew and it's it's like a pumpkin spice. It comes in this big like, I don't know, 40 or 50 something ounce carafe and I have consumed two of them by myself. Um, it only takes me like a day to do. And <laughs> I'm impressed. They're really stinking tasty. I'll see if I can remember the brand before the episode's out, but yeah, yeah we'll put it in the so show. Yeah, notes. Pumpkin spice, everything. Um, I mean, I've got spiders dangling around me. I see and, them. Yeah. And, um, tis the season, bro. It is. It is. And so you're in the, you're also in the south in in Georgia, is that right? Heck yeah, y'all. <laughs> I see. I'm going to have to do the whole intro to this in like a a thick wax Texas drawl and just <laughs> I can turn it on when I need to. But um so fall is like theoretical. I think in in probably the places we live, right? Like it's still 90 degrees. Yeah, it's um I've discovered so I'm originally from Southern California. Um, I, I did junior high and high school in North Dallas, Texas, cause there's a Dallas, Georgia as well. No, which no. really threw me for a loop <laughs> when I got here. People were like Dallas, this Dallas, that I was like, y'all are traveling all the way to Dallas. That is and they're so like, far. Dallas, Georgia. And I was like, no, that's not a thing, but okay. <laughs> You're making that up. You're, uh, but I've been there now and I can't deny it any longer. <laughs> um, so yeah, in Texas, as you know, fall is like a concept. It's on mm-hmm. the postcards. It's nice to think about. We don't get it. Um, Southern California is a desert with good irrigation. There's, there's no fall there. <laughs> and then being here is the closest thing I have actually gotten to a, a fall that like, as I look around me now, um, out the windows, there, there are some colors changing. Um, occasionally you can hear a leaf rustling across the ground. Uh, it is pretty nice, but there's only about like two to three weeks of like true fall weather. Yeah. Which is well. Better. I enjoy it while you can. That's what I'm doing. It was it was nice and cool this morning, and it's headed to 85. So we'll see what happens. Um, so now that we've talked about the weather and lactose intolerance and pumpkin spice, uh, tell us more about you. Well, hi, hi. My name's Nathaniel Marshall. Um, most everyone calls me Nate, including my wife. Not my children. They call me Daddy. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, I am, gosh, I'm, I'm a plumber by trade. Um, that, that was, has been my professional career for the last, I don't know, seven to eight years now. Wow. Um, only I think five of those years have been spent in the field though. Uh, the rest of the time I've been in an office in some capacity, assistant managing, um, operations managing now. And, um, 
Yeah, bats for so I if for those that may know me um and most likely don't, but if you do at all and you're not like my friend or my wife or my children, um it's from Twitter. There there's a, a little Twitter account that I uh, operate called Give Bats a Break and um bats are a thing for me. I I enjoy them. I'm a bat enjoyer. Um casually most of my life, but a little more investedly in the last year and a half or so. Um, I, so, I think you're, you're being modest about your little account. Cause I mean, you've got what, 14, 15,000 followers now. And yeah, almost 14 and a half, which still just like fall in the South. It doesn't feel real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. Where did this like fascination or love of bats start for you? It started as a kid. Um, I, gosh, I, I can't remember if I saw them like in zoo books or I, I remember my parents had and actually still have um, like this big anthology that was just called Animals. And it was just a broad overview of animals uh, from yeah. all over the world. Beautiful photography, really, really nice like coffee table type book, um, that was really densely packed with information. And, uh, I, I loved looking at the bats in that book and, and then zoo books, like I said a, a second ago, kind of played in at some point, but, um, I don't know, man, they're just, they're so weird. Like they're so funny. They, they, they're this, they're like a land mammal, but they live in the sky and they, are kind of this puppy looking thing, but they've got pig noses sometimes and <laughs> they, you know, like dance among the stars, but like eat worms from the ground. Like they're just, they're, they're such a conundrum. They're, they're, they're a paradox in an animal. And I just love that about them. And uh, so, yeah. I, you know, and I love that, that it's so like it. it so what, what I think is super fascinating about, your your whole thing, the whole give bats a break account and everything you do is that it's not like your job, right? You're not a biologist. You're not like you're a plumber. And I, I love that you do this just and 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 I, I mean that with like the highest amount of praise, because I think that if you do something like that, you know, pays the bills that you probably enjoy, you know, it's for a career. It's cool that you found another passion for biology and nature and all this other stuff. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would like for this to be something that I could actually do full time, (laughs) but, but until that day, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun journey, man. Uh, I didn't expect it. It was not in the cards, uh, as far as I knew. Um, and it has become a very, time consuming hobby. <laughs> and I don't like that's not a complaint. It's not no, a no, belly sure. aching. Like it's just it's a lot of fun. It's um I have to put I have to put like boundaries um because otherwise I do end up spending I could spend an entire day like 24 solid uninterrupted hours just yeah. like engaging on Twitter and doing a little bit on Instagram and doing some reading and posting and making, you know, making content, like I could easily do that. And, and I am tempted to sometimes, 
Sure. Um, but I do have a wife and children. Um, so yeah, that's important too. Spending time with them and like then working as well. Um, being a grown up man, being an adult. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, it's a trap by the way, like this whole, whole adulthood thing mm-hmm. that I, you know, I'm in my, oh goodness, I'm about to say mid thirties. I'm in my mid thirties now. And it's like, oh no, I've, I can't get out. I'm here now, <laughs> which is fine. I, you know, I actually love being 34. It's, it's been a good year. In I, a saw, weird way. I saw somebody on Twitter the other day that, <laughs> that posted, um, uh, it doesn't matter if you're 20 or in your mid thirties, you officially become an adult when you realize you're scared of teenagers. Oh, they're so scary. No, and it's I, true. That really resonated. <laughs> I was just like, I, I'm at that point. I, I think I'm an adult because they do. They freak me out a little bit now. Like, I don't want to uh, summon their ire or, or draw the aggro to myself from any wandering teen. Um, <laughs> and I'm in my early 30s. So, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> so, uh, oh, that's funny. You know, I teach a lot of 18, 19 year olds and I like, I look out at my class some days. I'm like, do your parents know you're here? Like, are you old enough to be in this room? <laughs> I think I'm just, I'm getting old. Uh, but yeah. okay. Back to give back to give bats a break. It, when you started your Twitter account, did you start this? Like, was this the thing you started or was it like a personal Twitter that has turned into give bats a break? Yeah, definitely wasn't what it is now. So when I, when I started the account, what I had intended for it to be, cause I thought it would do numbers and these types of accounts do do numbers is like a bat every hour, bat every day, hmm. like pig picture scraper account, which yeah. if you're listening, no, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do it, like give proper attribution. I literally, it was not a thing for me at the time, um, thinking about attribution and how important that is. But yeah, so what, when the account started, um, I just was like Googling 24 pictures a day. I got like a basic level Hootsuite account so that I could mm-hmm. schedule my tweets. And it was not, um, it was not the jam. It was not. It was not a sustainable way of doing it. Come to right. find out that people write coding for this and like really find the pictures for them and like put like put them in tweets for them. And like I'm this idiot sitting here Googling like <laughs> bat art and like cute bats and like flying foxes and and then downloading them. And it just was not it wasn't the way to go about it. Um, and so pretty quickly, I realized like about two weeks that a, that that was not actually that much fun for me as the one doing the account. And two, I also couldn't like stop myself from interacting with people that would end up commenting on stuff. And I also discovered that that was enjoyable. Whereas finding and posting the pictures wasn't necessarily as enjoyable. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this now. This is, this is evolution. Number one. Um, I have now become a bat apologist account. And we're <laughs> all bats am, all the time, all bats all the time, not just pictures. The pictures aren't enough. Um, it's, it's good, but it's not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to like actually talk to people about the bats that I'm posting about. And, um, that was only about another two weeks of time. So, so at this point, this is like four weeks in. I started the account, we'll say April 1 or the 2nd of April or something like that. Sure. 
on April 24th, the Pope happened. Yeah, we have to talk about the Pope. And that that is what really got me to to where I am today was Pope Francis. So <laughs> I, I love that so much because like my next question was like, please tell me about the Pope. Let me let me tell you about the Pope. So <laughs> me and me and Francis um, had had a spat. We had a, a just a momentary very one-sided conversation um, in which him or his social media team at the Vatican. Um, how do you get that job, by the way? I, that's quite, that's something. <laughs> how do you become the social media manager for the Vatican? For the Vatican. Yeah, that's something. That's a, that's a thing. Um, so, you know, they pulled a quote from one of his homilies in which he basically said something to the effect of uh, when, when humans are in a state of sin – they go about in darkness like human bats committing their evils and something, something, something. So now at the level of theology, like I got what he was saying and didn't necessarily agree or disagree rather. Like, sure. sure, Like we do things that we're not proud of and like we hide while we're doing them. Like that seems pretty obvious to me um, that if we're going to do naughty things that we don't want people watching. Right. Right. But, I also wasn't sure whether or not the Vatican social media manager was aware that there was a global pandemic happening uh, that was being blamed on bats. And so I was huh. like, you know, maybe instead of like adding this like religious layer to this where like bats are already being collectively crapped on um how about we take this this animal and like think about it positively instead? So I offered like a counter theological reflection in which bats are actually symbols or and examples of what we should be and can do rather than being an example of what we shouldn't be. Um, you know, because it's easier to give people like do do this rather than don't do this right right um and so i it was a little four tweet response to him and it it blew up and uh that was wild so okay when you say blew up i think we need some context because you asked when we were when we were messaging back and forth trying to get all this scheduled and just kind of like getting to know each other you you sent me a, a message on twitter that said have you ever gone viral? And I said, no. And you said, don't do it. <laughs> and, and I laughed so hard at that. Cause that was like, cause, cause what's funny is everyone on Twitter, that's like the show, right? Like right. in your mind, it's like, Oh, I want to go viral. I'm going to be famous. People are going to love me. What, what was that like? What is going viral? Like, so it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, you said it a minute ago. That's like the goal, right? Like on uh, on social media, it's like everyone dreams of one day going viral. Just like everyone dreams of like one day winning the lottery or having something crazy like that happen. And it seems it seems like the ultimate good. Um, wrong. That that is that is the, that is the wrong way of thinking about it. It's uh, it is um, well, okay. I'm actually my answer on this is kind of torn, right? Because like. Let me describe it to you. So I, I'm, I'm my tweets right there. Each individually, they're being liked, 
retweeted, quote tweeted. I'm getting comments under each and every one of them, of the four of them. And then you've got people that are like finding you and following you as a result, right? And so in the course of basically like 48 hours, I went from having less than 200 followers on the account to having over 5,000. Wow. In the course of two days. This is not like slow growth. This is the complete, it was a total and complete accident. It, this whole thing continues to be a total and complete accident. Um, and because uh, you, can't, you can't predict it, right? Virality, you, you, can, you can craft a tweet in such a way that like you can almost guarantee that it does well. Like if you look at your analytics and you're like, and you really study it, you can, yeah. this time of day, this type of content, like you can, you can narrow stuff down and so that it'll do well. But virality is not something that can be predicted. And, and I didn't predict it the first time and didn't see it come in the second or third time either. <laughs> um, but like that first time, dude, it was, the notifications are pouring in. I can't get to the top of them at all. Period. Like I just keep, I keep swiping down and it keeps going up and they just keep pouring in. And I was sitting here scrolling and like responding to comments and quote tweets and stuff until it had to have been five or six o'clock the next morning. Wow. Um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I didn't, I mean, didn't really want to sleep at that point, which is very out of character for me. Cause I'm, I am a sleeper. Um, I, I enjoy a snooze, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I just could not. I was hooked. Like it was such a rush and time seemed to just stand still and speed past all at once. It was very, somebody I'm sure has done the study on like the physiological effects of virality in social media. <laughs> if they haven't, they should. Cause I feel like it, it is a very unique thing, but, um, but yeah, dude, my body was, fr- it was freaking out. Um, and so it was fun the first time, uh, because it had never happened before. Right. So like right. the novelty of it was just like, Whoa, I can't believe like I'm the chosen one in this moment. But then at the same time, um, what, what virality is good for and why the don't do it comment was maybe only half of the joke is because dude, it gives you so much, especially as a science communicator, right? Like, or in maybe more in your case, like for like the podcasting portion of it too, well, for both of us now, I don't know why yeah, I singled yeah. you out because I, I'm getting into the game as well. But yep. like, there's so much good opportunity to talk to people. There, you, you, or professor, you know, you're never gonna have a hundred thousand people in your classroom at once. No, but like when you go viral and you're you're getting to like the six and f- five, six, seven digit numbers as far as reach, like. There, there is no human physical opportunity where that's ever going to happen. Right. It will only happen on social media, right? So, like, this last time I went viral, which was a couple weeks ago, two tweets within a few days of each other that both blew up. Um, the, the third one for sure being the biggest. Third in terms of, like, the Pope and then these right. two. Uh, the, the first one ended up getting 12 and a half thousand likes and like 5,000 wow. retweets and something like that. And then a third one, um, was a, a, a friend sent me a picture from Reddit and I thought it was like, That's, this is so good. And so I screenshot it and put it up there, linked to the Redditor, like to the original post. Mm-hmm. And it ended up getting like 167,000 likes and got shared like 20,000 times. That is crazy. And it, 
it ended up being a giant conversation about rabies, which was honestly, I kind of saw it coming um, Mm -hmm. because of the picture. It was this guy, if you weren't on Twitter or didn't see it, it was this guy who got to work and went to put on his headphones that cover his ears and said he felt something furry. So he pulled his headphones off and looked in and there's a little pipistrel bat that was like just nuzzled into the ear cup. And, um, you know, people freaking out like about rabies and everything else, which is like understandable because most people, that's the only story they've ever heard about bats is that they're virus carrying disease spreading, gross, you know, icky, yucky animals. Um, and so if that's all you ever heard, then like, yeah, but, uh, so it was a really good opportunity to talk to thousands of people, um, about like bats and the 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 likelihood of it carrying rabies and what should be done um just in case they do and yeah yeah it was it forced me into actually doing a lot of reading because my followers aren't only from the united states i've got a mm-hmm. i've got a pretty big uk contingent as well and so for them um having learning like the difference between classical rabies virus and european bat lysivirus uh, of which there is a one and a two. There are two versions of it. Um, I didn't know this before this went viral because I'd never had to think about it or study it before. Right. Uh, and so I think for for folks like us who are communicating science, it like it was a really good opportunity to learn and then to do what we hope to do on a daily basis at scale for like a very short window of time. Um, and so it's like those those moments of virality are like almost like what the rest of our time are preparing us for. It's like, this is, this is the momentary big league in which I can go in and like do this a lot, uh, to, for a lot of people really quickly. And so don't do it. Um, don't, don't seek virality just for its (laughs) own sake. Like um, if you've got something to share, like it's, it's a helpful tool. Um, but the second and third time it was the same thing. We're just like notifications, notifications. I finally learned to like mute it for a few hours at a time unmute it, go check notifications, mute it, like spend some time responding for like an hour, mute it again. Like there's a way to do it well. And, um, I think I only just figured it out on this last one that like, Oh, this is how I should have been doing this. Like the other times too, but yeah. Experience. Well, I'm, I'm going to say it's probably not going to be the last time you get to deal with that, you know, problem issue because you've got great content. And, and, you know, you share great information about bats and their roles. Well, what I think is interesting, let me, let me back up a little bit. You share great information about bats themselves, in and of themselves. I think that that's something that we as humans are real bad about is, is judging nature, judging life, judging everything by its utility, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I do want to talk about here in a minute, like, bats and their roles at, in, in the ecosystem, in you know, human civilization is, you know, insectivores and like pollinators and all these things. But I think something that you do a great job of is giving them value in and of themselves, right? They are important because they're living creatures and they're so cool just because they're cool. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's, that's awesome. And I think that's a good just overall vibe to have on social media, you know, especially. Yeah. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. It's, it's hard, you know, because like a lot of people don't, they have, uh, how do I say this? People have to, I think some people have to see the utility before they see the intrinsic value. Hmm. It's like they, they'll arrive there eventually, but like 
they have to know we can't expect people to like immediately shift away from an anthropocentric view of world sure. the world in an existence just to like look at this animal for a second it's like it's it's not a natural shift right like they they have to have a paradigm shift over time in order to get to that point where they look at a bat and say like, Oh, you are valuable just because you are you, <laughs> you, yeah. you are valuable because you exist. Um, and you deserve to exist, not because you provide any kind of ecosystem benefit or because of any other reason. Um, but just by the virtue that you happen to exist in this moment in time, um, right. that's a hard, that's a hard thing to ask of people. And so going through, not being offended when people want to know, like, how is this bat useful in the ecosystem in which it lives? Um, if you if you jump right to the the finger wagging and the <laughs> well, first of all, it, they it's like being an actually guy sort of. It's like you <laughs> you, you don't yeah, you don't want to yeah. actually people when they're asking right. genuine questions, right? Um, and so if they ask like, how is this one useful? Like you answer the utility question, you show that like yeah, there, there's utility, but like but they're also just really freaking amazing like yeah y- you get there the, the conversation will go there if you engage with people genuinely and like entertain their questions and acknowledge and affirm their emotions there's a lot of emotions that come out when it comes to bats <laughs> um typically like negative ones yeah. and so just acknowledging those and not being a jerk and like that's completely unfounded i'm here to tell you that that bat was not attacking you and your fear was completely unfounded because X, Y, Z people don't have time for that. You know what I mean? Um, and if I, if I like try to prove them wrong, um, I, so so Merlin Tuttle, Dr. Merlin Tuttle, um, whose name you may know, but he, he's one of the most like public facing bat biologists, researchers, conservationists possibly ever. Mm -hmm. Um, and back in my zoo book days, uh, that that was who I knew. Merlin yeah. Tuttle was like my gateway to, to bats in a very real sense. And in fact, even my name, Give Bats a Break, that's actually a title of an essay that he wrote a few years ago. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so, um, and, and it was directed not actually so much at the public, but it was actually directed at fellow scientists um, hmm. to say like, listen, we spend a lot of resources and time poking and prodding bats to find the next virus. And it like happens every, like invariably whenever there is something that reaches epidemic or pandemic status, bats get blamed for it. Right. And so he's basically like all this time that we've spent researching, I don't know that it's actually been effective. I don't know that we, that like predicting where the next virus, the next zoonotic virus is going to spill over from an animal species to, to human populations it hasn't stopped it from happening yet. So why are we wasting time? Like we need to give the bats a break. Like just, just give them a break. Like l- just let them be like, just trust that nature is going to take its course. Right. And like, let's let them rest and relax for a little bit. So it's interesting that, that that's actually where the name comes from. Um, it is, it was actually directed at scientists, but I thought that like the public also needed to hear that same message too. Like we need to give bats a break. They don't need to be vilified. They don't need to be, you know, feared um, or, you know, uh, hated, killed needlessly because that, that happens. Um, and so, yeah, I can't remember how I got on that tangent. Give bats a break. Merlin Tuttle, 
uh, oh, Merlin Tuttle is is possibly the most like well known of the bat biologists, um, right? And I can't remember actually why I was going to say so, that. So yeah. we were talking about no, and that's no, but I think that was a good tangent because I think that actually addressed the question or, or the the topic we were talking about, like how to approach the public right how to mm. a- approach the subject and 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 i liked what you were discussing in terms of and i haven't really thought of it in that way again i get in my scientist academia brain sometimes but there are so many fights that are picked especially on twitter and unfortunately often by my fellow scientists on twitter that, that don't need to be because we need to meet people where they are right mm-hmm. like you were talking about how people have maybe some deep rooted fears or whatever about bats because of whatever life experience. And if we just try to like, like you said, well, actually them, uh, that doesn't get us anywhere. That's not good communication. Right. And actually that's, that's where Merlin Tuttle came in, in my mind was something that he says, um, is that we need to win friends, not battles. Hmm. I love that. That yeah. that is like a north star for me. Um and my my goal is never to win with the facts. Um because if you win with the facts but you lose the relationship, there's no there's no second opportunity to communicate yeah. the facts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And so you you build the relationship and say like, "Hey, yeah, if I found a bat in my room, I'd probably pee my pants too. You know, like <laughs> I get it. You know, now was it in there to bite them and give them rabies? Like, no, probably not. But like, that's not the moment to communicate that. It's like acknowledging the emotion, acknowledging the fear, acknowledging that like there there is a broader context to this. And then once the relationship is built, if they ask further questions or if there's more opportunity or like in the context of Twitter, they decide to give me a follow because they like the interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to they're gonna learn, you know, like if you're going to follow me, you're going to learn about bats eventually. Um, whether you intended to or not is a different <laughs> question. But if you're following me, you're going to learn something, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, winning winning friends, not battles is um so it's a, a very uh, important philosophy to, to me and what I do. I, I love that a lot. That's, that's, that should be a t-shirt. That should be your next t-shirt. Uh, by the way, I ordered a t-shirt yesterday and I'm sad that it's not here. We'll talk about your merch later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was relevant now. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be back to talk more about bats. Well, hey there. Welcome to the mid-roll. It is great as always to have you here. This is just time that you and I can sit down and chat. How are you doing? Is your life going okay? You doing well? I hope you are. Hey, so uh, if you'd like to chat in a different way than me talking at you and you pretending to listen, um, go connect on social media. I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Even though as I record this, Facebook and Instagram are down. Who knows what's going to happen with that? It could be a brave new world um, without the two of them. And that's okay. We'll get by. We'll get by. Connect on Twitter. uh, Search for Planthropology and look for the Bristlecone Pine wherever you see that you'll find me. I'm also over on the TikTok machine as at the plant prof. And so you can go watch my silly antics over there. Uh, Thanks so much to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for the support of the show. It uh, means the world and it could absolutely not be done without the department's support. 
It's great. And uh, they've been wonderful through this process. Uh, For today's mid-roll entertainment, I've got a trailer from the newest podcast in the Podfix Network. And if you're not following Podfix Network, make sure you go do that and see all the great shows there. Whether you like silly entertainment, uh, thoughtful conversations, animals, plants, anything in between, you can find it at the Podcast Network. Our newest show, or one of our two newest shows, is called The Irrationally Exuberant, which is described as part podcast, but also art podcast, but also art. I like to think that most podcasts are art of some form. It is comedy mostly, and it's a lot of fun. You can find great topics on everything from Chris Gaines. I don't even even think Garth Brooks likes Chris Gaines. uh, To um, information about platypuses, to uh, bees and reptilians and Marie Osmond, and everything and anything in between. It's a lot of fun. It's a great show. They're a wonderful addition to the Podfix Network, and we're just so great to have them. So go listen to this trailer coming up in just a few seconds. Go check out the show, subscribe, listen wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, I will love you forever for doing that. I love you forever anyway. Anyway, so here is a trailer for The Irrationally Exuberant, starting in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is The Irrationally Exuberant. I'm Reed Messerschmidt. Family, friends, fans, Bono, I see you over there. Looks like a carelessly basted turkey with the head still on, but the head got stung by a bee and it's allergic to bees. Johnny, are you awake, Johnny? Yes, Bigfoot. I was just smelling your arm fur and thinking about how much I love you. I love you more than that old moon and his bright little friends and stars. The story of the time I found myself in front of the frying pan at three in the morning, drunk of course, wearing a bloodstained suit and a backpack full of potatoes. This is the story of the time a grizzled old hobo asked me if I was okay. The Irrationally Exuberant is a podcast, but also art. Find it at theirrationallyexuberant.com, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Iceberg Slim and Bees and Roy Orbison. What could these things possibly have in common? So I want to talk um, subject matter a little bit. I want to talk about bats themselves because we've talked about, you know, Twitter and the way you've gotten into this and all of that. And I, and I love that. I think it's such a good, uh, in, in some ways, like directing and, and maybe in some ways cautionary tale for people that are like, I want to get Twitter famous. You know, like there's there's a right way to do it, and maybe not a less right way to do it. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about bats, uh, because I think people have this picture in their brain that every bat is the uh, vampire bat that's going to land on your face and eat your eyeballs or whatever. And, and that's not what they do anyway. But, you know, I think we have this big mental image because of. Um, popular media and all kinds of other things that bats are there to drink your blood and right. uh, give you rabies, kind of like you just said. So can you tell us just a little bit about, like, I don't even know how to ask this question. It's maybe a stupid question, but like, what do bats do? How do the bats do? <laughs> what What is bat? Why bats? Um, yeah, so it's not a stupid question. Um, and actually, it really isn't, a question that has been 
sufficiently answered among bat researchers. I mean, it's it's why the discipline exists is because they are they are so enigmatic. Um, yeah, there, there's so every time we think we know something about a bat, bats are like, mm, nope, not that, uh, and like throw a curveball. Um, <laughs> so like even just recently, um, <laughs> there was a conversation. Dr. Aaron Corcoran, um, he, who on Twitter he posted some some new research about. Um, Bat migration, hoary bats specifically, um, mm-hmm. Lazarus cinereus, they, uh, they're a migratory species here in North America. And we assumed that as they're traveling long distance, that they are using echolocation when it's dark. That's like, mm-hmm. that's like kind of the common idea is that they, it's dark. Their eyes aren't able to perceive as well in the dark. And so they, they vocalize and hear those echoes as they come back to them to sort of like orient themselves in space. And especially so when it's dark. They, they basically glued these trackers to the back of these hoary bat, bats as they were migrating and, and recorded them like once every, I think, 10 seconds. They were, mm-hmm. they were taking an audio clip of different echolocation calls, whether they were social calls or feeding calls or orientation calls, which there is actually, there's a difference between all these different types of echolocation, um, which is a different discussion. But uh, they actually discovered that while migrating, hoary bats were silent the majority of the time. Hmm. They, they spent like 80% of their time just completely quiet, just doing their, just like flying, fly, like navigating, um, not not just in open air, but like around things and through things and like in trees and forests and stuff, they were not echolocating nearly as much as was hypothesized. And so, um, so now we've gone from, um, bats see with their eyes to bats see quote unquote with their ears because echolocation to, Oh, actually they don't really use their eyes or their ears in ways that we thought that they did. And they probably, I mean, they're using them, but just it escapes our understanding exactly how they're using them and why and when. It's like right. every such basic questions like, how do bats use their eyeballs? How do bats <laughs> use their ears? It's like, we don't actually freaking we know. We have no idea. We're still trying to figure it out. The, these questions that are like so elementary about them um, that have been discovered and understood for decades in other animals, other taxa. Um, are it's still we're still figuring it out for for bats. Wow. Yeah, it, up until fairly recently, um, like within the last, I don't know, hundred or so years, up until about a hundred years ago, early nineteen hundreds, um, bats were thought where they were thought that possibly they were primates, um, and actually mm. that that theory continued into the nineteen hundreds for for a good while, all the way even into the nineteen sixties uh, or seventies. Um, there were some scientists that were still postulating that, per- that perhaps they actually do belong to primates. Um, one hypothesis that I like in particular, uh, just for the poetic value, is something <laughs> called the fallen angel hypothesis, in okay. which primates actually evolved as flyers first, and then they became flightless. They, they lost hmm. their ability to fly from whence came us. So actually we're like ground bats rather than bats being um, sky primates, which they're not primates, by the way, they belong to their own order. But, um, 
but yeah, so I, I think that that's pretty funny at a number of levels. Um, and I don't know, it's cool. It's cool to be able to ask these questions and it, that, you know, uh, JD Pettigrew was the scientist that put this forward. He's from Australia and, um, he really believed it, man. Like he, hmm. he really thought that like, this was, this was the answer until it was proven because of like our ability to look at genomes and DNA and stuff. It was proven pretty much without a doubt that like, sorry, bro. Nope. Um, <laughs> didn't work that way. Didn't, didn't turn out to be the case, but it was fun because like now they're like, you have to deal with the question. Like now that he's asked it, it's like, okay, well actually now we have to wrestle with some of these things. And like, where echolocation comes from and whether flight or echolocation came first and when did flight in bats even evolve? We don't, we don't know. We don't know when it <laughs> happened. We don't know where it came from. Um, we have ideas, but we don't know for sure. So yeah, bats are a giant mystery and continue to be so. It's fascinating. So if they're not trying to eat us, yeah, <laughs> you know, like some people think, what what do bats eat? What are their main like food sources? Because I know, uh, or at least my understanding, I'll say that say it that way, because I don't know a whole lot about bats, is that there are like fruit bats and then like insectivorous bats, and then I mean some that do are are blood feeders. So like, what what do bats eat? What's their role in the ecosystem? Yeah, so they're they're at the most recent count. There are one thousand four hundred and thirty four species of bats. Wow, um, and they the only other order of animal that outnumbers them are rodents, rodentia. Yeah. So, um, so the answer to that question is all of the above and then some, um, because they are extremely diverse. They, they've have filled ecological niches all over the world in different ways. So yeah, you've got fruit eaters. Um, you've got, insect eaters and there are specialists within both of those, right? Like they're not eating all the insects or all the fruit, sure. um, but certain species will, will specialize in certain insects or fruit. Um, you've got um, carnivorous bats that will eat small birds, other small hmm. bats. Um, there are fishermen bats that, that have um, evolved the ability to uh, echolocate over the top of the water and sense the rippling in the water to know to like locate fish underneath the surface. And they've got these giant back feet. I mean, we're talking impressive, huh. dude, massive back feet that they will troll right through the top of the water and hook a, be uh, hook a fish. And then they swing it up and they have these giant cheek pouches that they'll, they'll sling the, the fish into and hold it in their, in their cheek pouch and then like munch on it on their way back. And yeah, there, so there's, there's fishermen bat there. Uh, yeah, they're, they're blood eaters. Like you mentioned, which, which on that note, mm -hmm. 1430 some odd species of bats, only three of them eat blood, only right. blood. Obviously if you're eating another animal, you're also consuming sure, its blood, sure. but three that, that consume exclusively blood. Um, and they are all three of them in the tropics and, and neotropics. They, they're down south of us um, in Mexico, s further down in Central America, and in, in uh, the north of South America as well. Um, and that's it. They're, the rest of them don't. And actually, vampire bats were named after the monster, not the other way around. So, oh, okay. Uh, so vampire mythology is much older than our knowledge of vampire bats. Sure. And so when we discovered that there was a bat that was consuming blood, it got the name vampire from the existing mythos, 
which is interesting to note. Um, but yeah, so they, they do, they do a lot. They eat a lot of things. Um, and the, the flying foxes are exclusively, um, fruit eaters and pollinators. Um, then you've got, uh, in, in the neotropics that's so fruit, fruit eating actually evolved, um, twice separately in two Mm. separate populations of bats. And they, they both have insect eating bats as ancestors. And that's interesting. Yeah. So the, the theory is, um, that they would consume the insect that was on the foliage or on the fruit and then over time developed a taste for the fruit rather than the insect. And so would now brush the insect off to the side and go after the flower or the (laughs) the fruit. Um, So it kind of developed in that way. And interestingly, blood eating sanguivory uh, evolved in a similar way. So like while the, the bats also insect eaters were, were feeding on like, let's say maggots that were infesting a dead carcass where there was still some fresh blood um, over time, uh, they had less of a taste for the maggots and more of a taste for the blood itself. And, um, their, their systems were already evolving in such a way that they were able to metabolize the blood via the, the insects that they were eating. Um, and so it was just sort of cutting out the middleman and going right for what they were actually needing the, the uh, from the insect, which was the blood itself. So yeah, man, it's, it's really, it's so fascinating. And there, and there's, the answer to anything bat related is never short. Um, yeah. and I'm long winded as it is, which oh, makes it fine. even worse. But, yeah, you're, but... It's a podcast. That's the point. It's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, dude, I have a very specific question to pass on to you. And it's a question that I got, um, in a previous career. And I think I, I may have asked Natalie Sabin this same question. I think she just laughed at me, uh, which I probably, you know, I, is reasonable once you hear it. Uh, <laughs> so I had a person call me one time and she was like, I have mosquitoes. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And she said, I would like bats to eat my mosquitoes. And then there was a pause on my end. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, where can I buy bats? I said, I don't think that's a thing. C- can you buy bats? Is that a thing? Um, you can, uh, but it's highly <laughs> illegal. <laughs> yeah. you, you can, but don't. You, it is, uh, it, you're a shady person if you are purchasing bats for private use. Um, <laughs> so don't do that. Or if you do, don't admit to it. Yeah, um, don't tell us. Yeah, no, you, you, can't, you can't go to the pet store and buy them. Um, you're, you're not going to find them at your local pest supply um no you cannot you cannot purchase bats uh for that use and actually this is a pretty hotly debated topic as well the bats as mosquito suppression so yes Hmm. bats do consume mosquitoes um but we actually don't know exactly how many that the thousand an hour figure gets thrown around a lot um, like about, about a thousand mosquitoes an hour sure. of, on an average size insectivorous bat in North America. Um, that, that may or may not be true. That was actually taken from like a, a very, the experiment that that number came from was done with one bat that was hungry in a controlled environment in which <laughs> mosquitoes were released and it had 15 minutes. And so, (laughs) and so then they, they took that and extrapolated the numbers out to an hour and 
it just it wasn't so anyway the thousand an hour thing is like the popular number and that's what Uh gets you know kind of bandied about in the media hundreds probably and like sure and like not an insignificant amount we'll put it that way and but it's they're probably actually not as great at suppressing pests maybe like mosquitoes specifically as it as it is uh proposed um, and more study really has to be done on it so that we can say more definitively how many they're eating and, and what that effect is. What I can say with, with relative certainty, there was a study that was done by a, um, Tom Coons, uh, who actually just passed away last year. Um, he did a study on the agricultural industry and bats as pest control for farmers Hmm. And discovered that on average, um, bats were saving farmers somewhere in the neighborhood of about twenty billion to thirty billion dollars a year um, in cross uh, crop killing pests. Wow! So, like, not an insignificant amount of money. Um, and obviously, and this is science, right? Like, the, the numbers get extrapolated here as well. But like, this was a much more probably uh carefully controlled experiment um and analysis and yeah it's uh they they do they do play a role in in pest suppression they do contribute to uh the the ecological niche in which you find mm-hmm. them and they're actually an indicator species too um which means you know there there are animals that like if they are present they're so delicate as animals, like they're so uh-huh. specific and calibrated that like if something, just the smallest thing is off in a, in a ecosystem, um, they can't hang. They, they got to move on. Um, it's like the meme of like, like really cute exist, like cute uh, breeds of dog. And like there's the wolf and it was like. We eat raw meat and exist and blah, blah, blah. And then there's like this thing that's like, I can't drink chlorinated water um, or like water from the tap. It's like that idea. It's like bats are kind of like on that spectrum where they're like, they're, they're very delicate. Like their systems are such that like everything has got to be perfect in the ecosystem. So actually, if you have bats around, it's, it's normally a sign of, of having a healthy ecosystem around you, which is great news. Um, yeah, that's con- really cool. Congratulations if that's you. <laughs> uh, if if you've looked around and, and seen bats, you have won. That's that's really cool. You know, I was uh, uh, down in the Texas Hill Country uh, near Fredericksburg. I don't know if you've ever been to Fredericksburg, Texas. It's like kind no of the name, wine. I haven't been there. It's like kind of the wine capital of Texas, and it's near Austin. And uh, there was an old there's an old train tunnel near there, about half an hour out of Fredericksburg, where you can go watch bat emergence, and it's it's really cool. It's like a I don't remember how big maybe a 500,000 or more bat colony. So it's a, it's a big emergence. And we were down there uh, kind of at the end of July uh, a few years ago. And uh, the, the fireflies happened to be out at that time. And it was really cool because we were sitting there. It was getting dark. All the fireflies are coming out. And, you know, there's just lights. And then you start to hear the bats kind of chirping. And then the lights start going out. And so as they were coming out, they were eating the fireflies and it was dark. So you could just barely see the bats, you know, but you could hear them and, and kind of like feel like the presence of them. But it was just so cool to just sit there and see like all these little twinkling lights and then like hear the bats and like they start eating the fireflies and they start eating other stuff. And, uh, it was, that was just such a cool experience. Yeah. Seeing those emergencies, I have actually like confession, not seen one ever in person. So that's like, 
on the to-do list for me. It's probably going to happen next year because next year is the, um, the, the big. So the, the North American society for bat research is, is the exactly what it sounds like. And, um, and they have a conference every year, either in Canada, the U S or Mexico. And, um, they, uh, it was canceled this year, but next year it's in Austin and it's also happening jointly with, uh, another international conference happening at the same time. And so all that to say, I, I will be in Austin this time next year. And I, I bet being like either at, uh, you know, Congress city bridge or going to Bracken cave or in San Antonio or mm-hmm. being somewhere where bats in the hundreds of thousands or possibly even millions are exiting, I will be there. And um, it will be a dream come true, very literally. But um, but yeah, the uh, in in South Texas, um, the Mexican free-tailed bat, mm-hmm. I'm guessing is probably what you saw yeah, I uh, think so. emerge. Yeah, and so they're by far the most voluminous <laughs> bat uh, in, in Texas. But they, uh, you know, they're, they're actually the fastest flyer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so people are like Peregrine Falcon. Well, sorry, yeah, bird Twitter. Man. S- sorry, bird Twitter. Sorry, <laughs> Peregrine people. Um, they do have the fastest dive, but um, the Mexican free-tailed bat is the fastest powered flyer um, huh. of any flying anything. They they clock in at 100 miles an hour. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, super. And cool. they're not big. They're like you know yeah. the size of. Like a stick of gum, like in length, yeah. right? And their their wingspan is maybe twelve inches or so. And these suckers move, man. That is so cool. That's so cool. Uh, I mean, I could ask a thousand questions probably about bats, but I, I don't want to let you get away. And I know I've kept you probably longer than I needed to already. Uh, but you're so <laughs> such it's such a fascinating conversation. And again, I love getting to do this podcast because I can learn about stuff that I don't know anything about. Yeah. And like as an academic guy, this just like this makes this is happy for me. This is my happy place. Um, let's talk about the podcast that you're starting. Uh, Give Bats a podcast, which is yeah. such fun. I love that name. <laughs> We're giving them a break. So give them a podcast while you're at it. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for bringing it up. Um so it is if they, I've discovered that if there's anything less known than bats, it's the researchers <laughs> that study them. <laughs> um, like people will know what a bat is, but like if they were to know anybody that studies bats, it is most likely Merlin Tuttle. Um, it, but Merlin is not the only bat researcher. Uh, he's a, a darn good one and has probably done more single-handedly for bat conservation than possibly any other individual um in 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 any given lifetime but um there are hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of people globally that are studying bats that have dedicated their entire academic careers and professional careers beyond that whatever form that takes in studying these animals and trying to understand them better and um and i'm talking to them that's that's the point of the podcast is to i it's not just a bat fact podcast right um we obviously facts do come up but like the point isn't just the facts it's actually to talk to the people that are doing the research about 
like why they got into bats in the first place, what their research entails, um, crazy stories from the field, uh, for those that do field work and they are, they are crazy. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. People from learning, like learning just how wide and varied bat research is not just in terms of species, but like in the, in terms of like the kinds of things that are being done, uh, from like, museum curation to and like everything that entails to lab work to field work of different sorts and varieties to like the things that people like that bat researchers have to pick up on like other skills and and knowledge bases that they have to have in order to even do the research that they do um the equipment that's involved uh yeah it, uh, carers rehabilitators so like not just people on the scientific end of things but people more on like the conservation and wildlife rehabilitation side of things which is and that plays a, a role in this as well um the folks that especially in the UK dude the UK bat carer community is phenomenal um they they are so cool there's also talking to Nat Sabin, um, I was like, who, who is, where's the closest bat carer to you? And when I say bat carer, I mean, somebody finds a grounded bat and thinks that perhaps it's sick or injured and then like calls a helpline and they dispatch a helper. That is how they have a, they have a call in line wow. that you can call and say, Hey, there's a grounded bat here. And they're like, don't worry. We'll have somebody there in X amount of minutes. <laughs> and they do. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but that's hilarious. They do. And amazing. It is amazing. I wish to God that we could get there here in the States, but you know, <laughs> ge- geographically it's a little more of a, of a challenging thing. But like, and so I was like, where's the closest bat carrot to you? And she was like, yeah, probably two or three miles away. I'm like, exactly. Wow. I don't know that there's a bat carrot in the entire state of Georgia where, where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for California, I think there's only like six or eight, um, that like cover like a certain amount of geography within California. Right. It's, it's, I mean, it's just like not a thing here. So anyway, talking to them about what they do and sort of what their training looks like and how they got involved in it. It's, um, it's a lot of fun and it's going to continue to be a lot of fun. So yeah, that's, give back to podcast. Super cool. And if you're, if you're listening to this, if you're out there listening to this episode as it drops or around the time it drops, uh, the first couple episodes or, or, I don't know how many you're planning on launching right right at first, but like give Bats a podcast is out. It is listenable. You can put it in your ear holes right now. Right, right in the old bat caves. Just <laughs> just shove them in there and, and have yourself a good time. Again, there's another great t-shirt. Just like put put the podcast in your bat caves. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm actually gonna write that down. <laughs> He's wanna, he's doing it. He's writing it down right now. I'm writing it down just because I don't want to forget that. I have a des- I've got like an idea list. Um, <laughs> put the podcast in your bat caves. Um, yeah. So uh, it has been a lot of fun. I I am learning. You talked about like talking to cool people and learning things that you don't know know about. It's like when the whole Pope thing happened. People were like, "Bad expert spanks the Pope," and I'm like. <laughs> That was a headline. That was some, it literally was a headline in like in that and things like that were being said right from the get go. I'm like, if only you understood 
how much of a bat expert I am not. <laughs> if only you knew how much I am still learning. And like every episode proves that point just over and over and over that there you get so you get like so specific in your research that like I'm actually learning that like most bat researchers kind of don't have an idea of what other bat researchers are doing because they're just hmm. like so involved in their little slice of, of what they've sort of niched down to that like they they want to hear what others are doing too because like they don't get outside of their little bubble very often and so right. like being able to connect bat researchers to other bat researchers uh is is i hope uh, another positive outcome of the podcast as well so yeah if you're if you're listening you want to want to learn about bats and their humans then uh give bats a podcast i i would appreciate you listening oh absolutely and i think i think that'll resonate well with a lot of the listeners of this show i think that you know i would encourage all of you to go listen to it but um so nate so as we kind of wrap up here uh one question i always ask all my guests and um it is if you had something that you wanted to send the listeners home with a piece of advice about life about bats about really whatever i mean uh, it could be your favorite flavor of jelly bean and how to pick a good one. Um, what would your advice be? What would you want the one take home thing to be? I think one of the things, um, one of my biggest pet peeves is not so much people not changing their minds, but people not being willing to think about things from other perspectives. Hmm. And so I think that something that has served me well and that I think would help make the world a more peaceful place is if folks would just be more willing to eat, just call it a thought experiment, call, call it whatever you need to call it to get to the point where you can do this, but to just think about things from alternate perspectives as best you can, right? It's like, of course, you can't think about it perfectly from another perspective because sure. you, you don't currently hold that perspective. It's sure. like you, you come from the framework and the background that you presently do. And that informs everything that you think and, and say and do, right? But like, if we would all be willing to consider the perspectives of others, I think the world would be a little bit better. And so that's maybe not directly bat related. Oh, that's fine. But it is, I think, something that uh, that we could all do just a little bit better at, and and we'd be all, all be better off for it. I agree, hundred percent. I love it, uh, man. Thanks so much for coming on and talking with me and and dealing with technical issues with me. But uh, where all can we find you? Where are you? I know you're all over the internet. Google bats and the Pope. You know, yeah, and <laughs> you will find me very quickly if you do that. Um, very common search terms. You, I mean, you know, my imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. no, give bats a break on Twitter. Give bats a break on Instagram. Uh, give bats a break.com. I've got, I've got a website up, uh, that does have some merch. So if you're, if you're feeling, if you're feeling spendy, then, uh, <laughs> drop a couple bucks over there. And, uh, I, you know, I, like I said, I, I do want to get to the point where I can, do what I'm doing like at a larger capacity full time. Sure. And, um, and that's one step in that direction. So any support, um, in the purchasing of, of a shirt or a sweater or a hoodie would be most appreciated. And, um, yeah, give bats a break right across the board. That's, that's where you can find me. Very cool. Well, 
man uh, again i really enjoyed that that was a lot of fun i think i, I kind of feel like i've found a kindred spirit in you and uh i'm i'm looking forward to being your friend you know going forward i love it i'm so looking forward to i was giddy like thinking about i was like we're finally gonna get to see each other <laughs> this is so cool so yeah. yeah man thanks for having me on and uh give me the opportunity to, to to chat with you it was a lot of fun absolutely well uh i hope that we always find a way to live our lives with more perspective and try to look at things through the lens of not only our own experiences, but of the experiences that other people may have had. If we're ever going to get anything together in this weird society, universe, whatever of ours, um, that's a thing that I think we have to do. Thank you for listening. Uh, You know that I think that you are the very best humans on the planet. And I am not just saying that. I appreciate it more than I can tell you that you give up your time and your uh, valuable listening space to put these conversations in this show right there in the Batcave. Go follow Nate. Go look him up all the places and definitely go subscribe to Give Bats a Podcast. Thanks for being a part of this uh, every time. Again, y'all are awesome. Um, I hope you are having a good fall so far. I hope October treats you well or whichever month you happen to be in as you listen to this. I hope that life is treating you kindly. And uh, be nice to each other, like I always say. Uh, And I love you. And we will talk soon. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.